is there really a story not unlike that behind almost every experience? I want to know why it's hard to figure out the story that needs to be told. You have an opportunity to tell that story in a way that hasn't been told before. That's hard. That's yeah, the hard part. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to the Design of Experience, conversations about the ideas that make us feel a tribal devotion to the things we love. So today, guys, we are going to talk about something that is very near and dear to our hearts for both Steve and myself. We believe it's kind of been around forever, and we know that it's nothing new, but we want to share it with you guys, and it is about the art of storytelling and the way that it really makes everything from our daily life to the messages that we see every day in the products and advertising and marketing world so much better. I so. would argue, in fact, that storytelling is really the very nature of survival. Yeah. As a human being, you go back to the famous cave paintings in France that go back, I don't know how Wait, many... there's cave paintings in France? Yeah. I thought that was like the... Some of the most famous ever. Like some of the oldest surviving, what best preserved cave art is in France. I, I seriously had no idea until this very moment that there yeah. were cave paintings. There's like in pictures France. of people making crepes and wearing no. wearing berets and stuff, and they're like millions of years old. I don't believe that. Well, that part's <laughs> a lie, but but seriously, no, they they go back way, 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 like I don't know, many thousands of years. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's always been a need for the culture mm -hmm. to preserve itself through story, to have us kind of come into our own being, understanding who we are in a context, mm -hmm. um, in the context of our predecessors, in the context of the experiences that we've had, that really does define us uh, in a way that's critical. And that's why story is just something that is, it's, it's going on constantly all around us. Like we said earlier, we know that everyone's talking about storytelling. It's it's a big kind of buzz idea right now. But um, I think that you and I really believe in this because of the human element as opposed to the fad element. I love the idea that it is built into humans and that um, I feel like when you're a little kid, when you start observing that people are telling stories right away from that youngest age, you, you realize that your favorite moments are kind of at your birthday party when your parents are telling stories about you or if you're at the campfire and there's these ghost stories being told and you learn very early on that there's something very special about stories. I think that's the element that intrigues us and the reason that we're huge advocates of it is because there is something very, very human about it and we want all of our creative and all of our messaging and everything we experience every day to feel very real and very human. So that's kind of like why we're very passionate about storytelling. Yep. We're going to spend a little bit of time today just on the basic structure of story. And lots of people have done this. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do it quickly and not linger here because this is not another podcast about storytelling per se. But yeah, it's worth just kind of giving the basic rundown of how what makes a good story and why is it that we engage with them? Why are they so important to all of us? Steve, I've got one question for you. What is your one question? I just want to know how's it going. Well, thank you for asking, Emily. <laughs> it's going just fine. It's going fine. It's going well. It's okay. been busy. We're, we are busy. 
Uh, we've got a crew in Ottawa right now doing a walkthrough for the environmental design project we do every year for a big event. We've got mm-hmm. another crew down in Guadalajara, Mexico mm-hmm. on a film project. Um, yeah, so cool stuff going on. Design team is busy, and uh, I've been super busy, so that's yeah. much better than the alternative. How are you doing, Emily? I'm doing great. We're working on some new social content, so that's fun just to you know get a little laughter going. When would we expect to see that social content, even though it'll probably already be out by the time this podcast goes? Well, it's probably going to be on Wednesdays on our story. Regular Wednesdays. Yeah, it's on our cool. Instagram story, and... Um, Speaking of that, Instagram stories, we can probably jump into what we're going to be talking about today. Let's do it. Which is storytelling. But I wanted to know your favorite times to like experience a story. Uh, I'm, I think for me, it's, um, it's when we're hanging out with good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think all of our kids would acknowledge, like the people that I've been friends with for more than 30 years, mm-hmm. that we like to sit around and tell stories and... There is a certain repertoire of stories, and we'll actually, when you know someone for a very long time, you actually, it's rare that you can surprise that person with a brand new story they've never heard. Um, my wife has probably heard my stories bazillions of times, and she she just kind of goes along with it and doesn't say, <laughs> oh my gosh, I've heard this before. She just, you know, we'll be, I'll be telling the story to somebody brand new and I just kind of do a side glance at her and I'm like, thank you. I know you've heard this 46,000 times, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's how we communicate when we're, when we're with friends. We, even if it's just sharing the news, we tend to turn it into some kind of a narrative. Yeah, so I f- the interesting thing is that we do this all the time, like when we're at work, when we're on the dinner table, campfire is awesome when you're a kid, all these different things. And we do it super, nat- like really naturally, it just kind of comes out. Um, and when we're in the middle of those conversations with our friends, we, we're not like sitting there thinking, now I'm going to tell this part of the story. Now I'm going to get to this element. It just kind of comes out, which intrigues me because it does really feel like it's kind of built into the to the human system that we like to convey stories as opposed to just facts and figures. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to tap into your brain and ask you, you know, what makes a good story? And, you know, well, I guess for question one, what makes a good story? And then maybe we'll get into the idea of like, why does it just flow out of us in conversation, but we might struggle with it when we're asked to construct a good story? Hmm. So part one, what makes a good story? What makes it, well, you know, story is survival, mm-hmm. I think. I just made that up today, but it I, has a nice I, th- ring to I think it. I believe it. Um, I wonder what may, you know, so, so the first question is what makes a good story? And then I have the question of, you know, what makes a good storyteller? Like probably every village, every tribe, every crew mm-hmm. has some people that are good at story. Yeah. And, you know, if you're one of those people and you're sitting in one of those dinner conversations with your friends, you know, it, it doesn't it sort of frustrate you when the friend, like you have some friends who way overshare, they give way too much background information. The setup is way too long. And you're just like, oh, this is not important information for the story, dude. (laughs) And then you have others who just kind of tell such a truncated version of whatever the story is that you're like, you 
didn't even tell him this part. Yeah. You forgot to tell him that part. So, you know, we're kind of wired that way around here because it's a core value of our company is to always be telling a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it's curious to me that, you know, what is it that makes a good storyteller? And it might be that it's somebody who understands the basic elements of your question, which is what makes a good story. Okay. And I think, you know, everybody's got their own version of this, but every story has to have a character, like somebody who is our hero. Mm-hmm. And they can be an unlikely hero, a very non-obvious hero. We like to know some origins about them. If it's a superhero, we want to know that Superman was once a boy who lived on the, the planet story. Krypton. Or where, is that the name of his planet? Okay, Josh is, Josh is our Marvel and our DC expert. expert. I to, see, I knew he wasn't Marvel. You were about to shame me because I referred to Superman as a Marvel hero, and he's not. He's DC. <laughs> All right. It's like I'm getting into way too much backup, <laughs> background story. Uh, okay, so we have to have a hero. Okay. That hero has to encounter a problem. Something goes wrong. Luke Skywalker is living in the remote planet of Tatooine, and all he cares about is shooting womp rats in his T-42. And then what happens? The, the, the Empire comes and his family gets killed. It's horrible. It's a horrible problem. And suddenly he's displaced. And now he has a reason mm-hmm. to strike out on a new adventure. It, we had to have that conflict. Okay. You know, um, and so then what often happens in a good story is you meet a guide, mm-hmm. someone who can help you find your way. And in Luke's case, of course, it's Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And they're talking and Luke is like, I don't know about you, old man. What makes you so interesting? And then what does Obi-Wan do? He pulls out a secret weapon. Oh There's gosh. the lightsaber. And he basically imparts not only his guidance and wisdom to Luke, but he gives Luke a secret weapon. And so now the character is given a mission, a new mission, and then they go out and, you know, they have all kinds of, if you read Save the Cat, this is where we call fun and games. There's just stuff that happens Mm -hmm. in the story that allows us to get to know the characters. They have some mishaps. They, you know, maybe have a narrow escape. They do some sort of little lesser missions on the way to the big mission, which is, you know, probably to save the world. Um, then the, the hero comes into his own and he has to pull out and use the weapon and save the day. And then there's now a new order or a new reality. We've kind of reestablished some kind of stasis. So that's kind of basic. Yeah. Just real basic. You got a character. They got to have a problem. They meet a guide. They get a secret weapon. They, you know, strike out on a mission. Mm-hmm. They have some experiences on that mission. They get into another crisis where they have to use the weapon and then they establish a new order. And I would argue it's really obvious when you go to a movie, mm-hmm. if you start to learn to, to recognize that structure, it becomes pretty easy. But I think what we're about here is, you know, how does that, how is there really a story not unlike that mm-hmm. behind almost every experience? Yeah. How is that experience designed in a way that's actually a narrative? or a story and really no no pun intended but reading between the lines of that that story structure i'm almost wondering like 
the story structure is there. We have all the elements, but it's something about the progression from piece to piece of the structure that really creates the engagement. So even if we recognize that the structure is there, there's something so captivating over and over again about the transition from getting to know the character to then experiencing the problem alongside them. And likewise, when they meet the guide and the guide empowers them, it's like we're transitioning from element to element and somehow we feel that the emotion of the transition between mm-hmm. each piece. Um, well, and in, in mm-hmm. film, you know, that's where you have your beats, an mm-hmm. editor would call them, you know, where you, you learn how to move from scene to scene and you have elements of music and lighting and other things that help you kind of help that viewer mm-hmm. move along. If you're reading a book, um, you know, it's, it's the ability to describe scenery or write good dialogue between characters that help keep the story moving. Yeah, so let's, I want to pause there for a second. And like you're you telling me that story formula, I think it's hilarious that every time I hear you explain it to me, I still think it's the most entertaining and interesting thing, even though I know the end of the story. So I kind of I wanted to get well, I'll share first of like why you love a story, and then I want to know why what like what gets you about a good story. And for me, I will just like I will listen to any story. And like just the other day, I was I was listening to um, a really good podcast, Reply All, and they had a hilarious, almost hour long segment about something to do with Domino's Pizza and this whole mystery they were trying to solve. Now, I don't like Domino's Pizza. I just don't really eat a lot of like fast food pizza in general. But the story was phenomenal, and I couldn't believe after an hour, I was like, I literally just listened to a story about a pizza company that I could care less about, but just the delivery and everything was there. So why don't you like Domino's? Um, I just I don't really do well with pizza. I know it's so lame. So you're not. It's not that you don't like Domino's pizza. You don't like pizza. Yeah, actually, that's a good clarification. I you don't well, even like like really good brick oven artisan pizza. No, see, I was trying to stay away from that. I do. I do. You like know who has good art- pizza? Artisanal pizza. Artisanal. Thank you for that <laughs> correction. I appreciate it. that's critical information. Yeah. Diamondback Brewers. Shout out to them in Baltimore. Oh yeah. They have amazing pizza. McHenry Row, mm-hmm. check them out. Really good brews and really, really excellent pizza. Like fresh. Okay, so yeah, I should clarify. If this is like pizza where like they make the dough oh, there, yeah. they make the, like I go somewhere where they make the mozzarella in-house. Ooh. Yeah, I'm about that kind of pizza. Nice. So no insult to Domino's. I just... Well, it's interesting, you know, that, that that's a story we could get into if we wanted to, but <laughs> Domino's did an amazing thing about a year ago uh, when they rolled out a campaign where they basically admitted their crust was like cardboard. They basically kind of did a mea culpa, like, okay, yeah, our pizza was kind of not very good, but now it is. And I thought, wow, that is a... You know, as marketers, we typically want to like, how would you turn that into a positive? Like, that's (laughs) what people say in pitch meetings and brainstorm sessions. But they just kind of owned the fact that their crust was eh, their pizza was eh, and they said, we're back. And I think it worked for them. I think it's been a really effective campaign. But anyway. Yeah. But yeah, my point is that I kind of, I kind of thought of this phrase, or maybe I, you know, absorbed it somewhere and I'm not giving credit. But I just think the phrase, a good story is a good story, 
is really true hmm. because it's not about it's not about what you're talking about the subject matter it's about the delivery and it's about who's telling it so you said the storyteller it's about these elements and it's about the transition from element to element so you can tell a story about anything and you know people will listen if it's a good story um, so I wanted to know like my favorite part of a story I think is either the twist at the end or if it's um, I think I love getting to know the characters. So those are my two. So I want to know what your favorite part of a story is. I, I am a little bit stuck in a traditional story format where we have a flawed hero mm-hmm. who, besides meeting the guide and needing to train, you know, has serious flaws and sort of brokenness that that has to be redeemed. Mm -hmm. And I love it when that hero gets redemption and they kind of show up and save the day and, you know, establish that new, Mm -hmm. new order. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of that is just a natural longing that all of us have, Mm -hmm. but I wonder because, you know, this week, everybody in the universe knows that, um, Game of Thrones wrapped up. Yeah. And fans are just, most fans that I know are not happy. Devastated. With how this story <laughs> ended because there's not a lot of resolution. There wasn't a lot of redemption. Um, I don't know because I don't watch the show. There I said it. I'm sorry. I'm only one of one people who hasn't watched the show. Um, well, that makes two oh, of us. Neither has Josh oh. and neither has Emily. Okay, so we're Nobody. the three people on the planet who haven't watched the show. So it maybe there was a redemptive end to it, but as I've read just, you know, the stuff that's just in mm-hmm. the news, you can't avoid it. Yeah. Um, you can't there's avoid a lot that. of complaints, and I think it's because, you know, even those of us who've gotten used to sort of the uh, – I don't know if it's uniquely HBO, but when HBO tells stories, most of the characters are, there are very few like black and white characters. Um, all the characters are bad and all the characters have moments of goodness. They're all very complicated and stories seldom turn out the way you want them to, mm-hmm. where the hero, you know, gets redeemed and saves the day. That just doesn't, that that often doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm admitting, whether it's because I'm shallow, you know, <laughs> it's sort of, I like the um, the Taylor Swift version of storytelling if I was talking about songwriting. I, <laughs> I like a well-constructed pop song that has a catchy melody mm-hmm. and that, you know, takes me somewhere emotionally mm-hmm. and then lands me in a place that I like to land emotionally. So I, I like the hero stories, the redemption mm-hmm. stories and... and um, yeah, you, I, me, and Taylor I feel Swift. like I should be more mature <laughs> and branch out a little bit, but that's that's kind of what I end up defaulting to. I mean, that's cool. Unfortunately, there's like they, we just went through several elements of a good story. So, what like if we hit most of them, everybody's gonna like it somehow. Yeah, but yeah, and that, hey, that's another. You just brought up another cool point that stories in themselves are fascinating, but then all of us like different parts of the story. So that's kind of cool, right there. So, Steve, part two of my question is this. I want to know why it's hard to figure out the story that needs to be told behind some kind of messaging or product. And like you said, we work with Mm -hmm. our clients and figure that out. Um, And why is it hard to step away from the product features, step away from the service that's being sold, and tell and craft the story for the 
for the end user. What's hard is telling a story in the right voice that resonates with the buyer of the product or solution okay. that we are supporting. Um, it's easy to come up with a story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's easy to just start making stuff up. It doesn't even have to be made up, but it can sound a lot like what our clients' competitors are also saying. Okay. What's hard is coming up with something unique. The classic story of, you know, a problem in the marketplace causing issues and we need a hero product or solution or brand to come in and, you know, get on a mission, take the take the client on a, you know, take the buyer on a mission and and provide them with that guidance and that secret weapon to solve their problem. To say that in a way that isn't already being said by everyone else, mm-hmm. often that's our job. Hmm. is to come up with a you know a, a unique point of view for a brand pushing a solution into the marketplace mm-hmm. and voice it give it a tone that will make sense with their buyer like that will resonate hmm. and in order to get at that we have several processes we go through that are pretty rigorous and and some people the process people love them um, those of us who want to just get off into creative and have fun coming up with campaign concepts and taglines and hero copy and all that stuff. We have to be reined in, you know, by someone like Ryan Hall or you. (laughs) Um, When we're filling in, when we're constructing that brand pyramid, that messaging framework that we take our clients through, it's very Mm process-oriented because we're coming up with a brand platform and a brand promise and emotional and functional benefits and reasons to believe and personality attributes and the reason we take the time to fill all that into this big pyramid is so we can smash it into a one or two sentence story that we can go to market with and that story has to be a little bit different than everybody else is saying Mm -hmm. it has to speak directly to the buyer in a way that the competition is not already talking. We're trying to give our client an isolated place to have a secret place to have a conversation with their buyer. Is there any like secret to figuring out that emotion or that tone? Or do you think it's do you think it's kind of formulaic? You know, I, I'm curious to know when we experience a brand or we experience a place that makes us feel a certain way a lot of times the singular elements are not original, but mm-hmm. there is some secret sauce or something yeah. that makes you feel a certain way. So how how do we discover that? Is it organic? Is it formulaic? Is there a secret? Yeah, it's easy to come up with the formulaic version, right. I think, if you're mm-hmm. a storyteller. Uh, what's hard is coming up with the truest, most authentic version okay. of the brand story that is uniquely voiced or positioned to the buyer that that really appropriately belongs with the brand okay you know that that appropriately should buy the product because it's really best for them and their personality mm-hmm. and so getting at that is where we involve a process that's you know i i think is not easy right um and that and that can be very you know as you get into the voice of a brand and how to tell their story you know, there's a very big difference between being, um, say, bold or being aggressive. Sure. You know, or being assertive. 
Hmm. You know, which one of those words best describes the brand that we're serving? Right. If you're writing a movie, coming up with a storyline about two star-crossed lovers who, you know, meet under interesting circumstances and have to somehow make sense out of their opposite worlds and neither the families like the other and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet. Sure. Uh, That story exists in spades, you know. But coming up with the settings and the context and the talent who's going to play those roles and the actual words they use and the and the tone, you know, everything about that, the art direction, the production design, you have an opportunity to tell that story in a way that hasn't been told before. That's hard. That's yeah, the hard part. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. But yeah, that's fascinating because we have we have some brands out there that everybody knows that just straight up use stories. So like insurance commercials. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, we are farmers. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I totally missed that cue. I could have followed up. No, you didn't. You got it. (laughs) Okay. So Farmers Insurance Group, Allstate, Geico, their commercials and advertising are literal stories and they make us laugh. So that's kind of just straightforward. That's that's funny. Um, And then a lot of consumer consumer goods or direct-to-consumer are very story-oriented, a little bit in a different way. So for example, like Yeti, I'm captivated by them. All they do is sell water bottles and coolers. But um, anyone like Yeti, REI, North Face, Columbia, basically they're telling me the story that like a story of adventure, anything is possible. Because of Yeti, I can be a rock climber or I can climb Mount Everest because of them. Because of Yeti. Because of Yeti. My drink stays hot forever. How do they do that? I don't know. My drink stays cold forever. I don't really want to know. I can stay outside (laughs) and stay hydrated. I got a great Yeti story for you. Yeah, I was packing up my car Mm -hmm. at the end of a weekend. um, And I, you know, I thought I had pretty much everything in the car. Uh, A friend of mine needed me to move my car so he could get his car out so i get in my car close the door turn it on put it in reverse as i'm backing up there's like this like whoa what did i just i hope that was not a man's leg that i just ran over or a small animal (laughs) significant i immediately stopped the car i got out and i had driven the car over my yeti my yeti tumbler i picked it up it had a tiny little dent in the bottom of the of the tumbler, and that was it. Oh, man. Nothing misshapen, no completely functional. That's incredible. Drove my car over the Yeti. Did not even <laughs> significantly dead it. What the heck? It's magic. That's amazing. It is amazing. I, I actually love my Yeti, and I don't know why. Sometimes I'm like, I am so into marketing, but I am the perfect target for marketing. And like, I know that there's a lot of vacuum sealed water bottles, but there's something about Yeti that like, I thought about it for months. I wanted to be part of Yeti Nation. Yeah. So a lot of like consumer goods or direct to consumer is, are they're all about creating that. And that's been around for a long time. Again, that's nothing new. Um, the outdoor brands, they're definitely champions of it because being extreme is just so cool. And I'm just not extreme. I never will be, but I like thinking about it. Um, but yeah, so the, the brand narrative, definitely something that everybody works towards. I think something that you and I are really intrigued with recently and is really beneficial for um, a lot of our our clients and maybe some other people's clients is introducing this storytelling, this really rich narrative approach to more of like B2B brands or mm-hmm. all the tech companies right now that never reach like 
uh, consumers like you and me. And I actually dug up two um, to surprise you with that, Bring I, it. that I think are good. Awesome. And guess what? I, I just looked right in the home court because we choose to use two of these. So Envision mm-hmm. and Zenefits. Mm-hmm. So Envision, for anyone who is not familiar, is a uh, prototyping uh, platform. And um, they have... It's used by web developers and... UX designers. UX designers. We use it with our clients when we're working on a website. Yeah. And we want them to be able to see it quickly and make comments. They can comment, click and comment anywhere on the on, on the, the design. Yeah. On the mock-ups. So they could totally just, I mean, their product is a design platform, and they could totally just talk about the platform. And, of course, they do. But I just, their messaging and their uh, their advertising, they say things like bring design into every conversation. And they say things like, yes, we have this collaborative platform and you can do this. But that phrase, bring design into every conversation, they're telling a story of how design is the hero and, and putting design first is that secret weapon. So they're not really saying that their platform is is the secret weapon. It's how you use it and how you prioritize design and how it changes everything when you do that so they are also giving mm -hmm. you an opportunity to be the hero with your client Mm -hmm. they're 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 giving you a tool that allows you to be the expert in design and to position yourself with your client in a way that hey i know what i'm talking about um you know you've hired me to design for you and now i know how to talk about it and I've got a tool that I can share with you so that we can have a conversation together about design and you can be part of that expertise right along with me. So we're mm-hmm. collaborating together. Yeah. So that's, there's a lot in that invitation. That's, mm-hmm. that's very deep. Yeah. Good, good pull. Yeah. So, and I think <clears throat> that the huge thing that differentiates them from others, because I know there are others out there, is that they, are, they have a product but they are creating a storyline around it, a story for them, a story for me, a story for our clients. And it, it gains this place in your head that you might not quite know why you like the way this product looks or it feels, but but there are all sorts of subconscious messages being sent to you. Hmm. Um, and the other one is Zenefits, which um, I was introduced to when I started working at this company. And I remember the first time I saw it, I thought to myself, wow, this is the easiest thing I have ever done when it comes to benefits for companies. And like their website, their messaging is HR for the new world of work. Mm-hmm. And so they tell this story about how, um, you know, how benefits and payroll and human resources can be, you know, can be this friendly experience. And a lot of people think, oh, it's just paper pushing and forms and all stuff I don't want to think about. But they have taken something that we've dealt with forever, HR, benefits, payroll, and they have made it a friend they personified it they've made made it a friendly experience Hmm. and i think these two are just kind of forerunners in that b2b side of things of how we can take that love of storytelling of empowerment of journeys of you know making the everyday way more exciting and they've infused it into their products Um, and i think it's something that we are also very passionate about here okay so kind of went through some awesome examples of storytelling and the narrative um, and kind of drove it home that there is still so much room in the B2B world for infusing your product and your messaging with storytelling. So I think we're going to, I think we have a lot more to talk about. We can unpack that in some mm-hmm. later episodes. Yep. But I just kind of, yeah, I feel like I wanted to share with everybody just why we love storytelling and um, why it's for more than just the campfire at the dinner table. And um, 
it's kind of something that we love here. Bonus little thing, we are going to include a storytelling resource in the show notes um, for B2B marketing. So be on the lookout for that. Sweet. And, um, Coming at you. Yeah. So we're going to talk to everybody again soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Design of Experience is produced by 15.4, a creative agency located in Charm City, Baltimore, Maryland. Produced by Emily Wolf, engineered by Josh Frisch, with story and creative development by Matt DeVille and Steve Smallman.